African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. This is where you get the African perspective. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Moshatama, on our shortwave service into sub-Saharan Africa. And we're on the frequency there on uh, 9625 kilohertz. And that's uh, on the 31-meter band to southern Africa. Remember, you can also find us on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Don't forget that we also have a streaming facility on our website on www channelafrica.co.za Well, there is this growing phenomenon that we're starting to see on the African continent. It started when we saw what was happening in Uganda where people were starting to be taxed for their use of social media. And what we're now starting to see as a trend in some African countries is that now there's proposals of uh, media fees. Uh, We've seen that happening in Mozambique. We also saw it happening just recently in um, uh, Zimbabwe where one One of the uh, private organizations were actually, it was a media organization that was... had a tax imposed on them to cover one of the, the, the case that was in the constitutional court while the state uh, uh, corporation of media was actually allowed to just broadcast for free. And that brings a lot of critical questions around media and what this uh, trend actually means for freedom of expression. That's what we're going to be looking at today on our program. But we've got Anne Musa standing by uh, to give us our news update before we do that. In the headlines, German Chancellor Angela Merkel is scheduled to meet with Ghanaian President Nana Akufo-Addo in Accra on the second leg of a three-day Africa trip. Meanwhile, Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta will this morning hold bilateral talks with the British Prime Minister Theresa May at State House in Nairobi. And the looting of foreign-owned shops in Soweto in South Africa is an act of criminality, according to officials. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. German Chancellor Angela Merkel is scheduled to meet with the Ghanaian President Nana Akufo Adu in Accra on the second leg of a three-day Africa trip focusing on strengthening economic development and containing illegal migration. The diplomatic offensive on the continent, which has included trips to Mali, Niger, Ethiopia and Egypt for the German Chancellor in 2016, may be pivotal for Merkel's political future, as it forms the basis of a strategy to combat the causes for migration and flight. Merkel visited Senegal on Wednesday and will continue to Nigeria on Friday. 
Meanwhile, Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta will this morning hold bilateral talks with the British Prime Minister Theresa May at State House in Nairobi before they address a joint press conference. May will also engage Kenyatta on enhancing the war on terror in the country. Kenya has over the last years, over the years, lost scores of security personnel to explosive device attacks by the Al-Shabaab terrorists. On Wednesday, May held talks with the Nigerian President Mohamedou Buhari on the second leg of her maiden African tour that's aimed at drumming up post-Brexit trade deals outside the European Union. South Africa's Gauteng Provinces Community Safety Department says the looting of foreign-owned shops in Soweto is not as a result of claims that the foreign shop owners are selling expired goods but an act of criminality. Three people have been left dead after violent clashes between the shop owners and looters. 30 people have been arrested for various crimes, including murder, attempted murder, possession of unlicensed firearms and public violence. The community safety head Sizakele Nkosimalabane says such acts cannot be tolerated. Initially we thought people were fighting against expired goods or illegal goods into into the country. But we have discovered that it's not true. People are looting those shops and the goods that are being looted are either sold or used by the looters, which obviously means they're not concerned about expiry dates or concerned about goods being illegal. They're actually stealing those goods to use them for for themselves. And I think that is a criminal offense and it requires our people to to desist from from doing so. South Africa's ruling ANC says its newly launched membership system will go a long way in addressing administrative challenges such as membership fraud and gatekeeping. The new system will see branch secretaries using scanning devices to document new party membership applications and also to register delegates during meetings. All the documented information will be monitored from the Secretary General's office for record purposes. The party has been dragged in an out-of-court On numerous occasions over claims of membership manipulation and fraud, the ANC Secretary General Ace Mahashule elaborates. The ANC has appointed the the credible service providers to implement, evaluate and assess this end-to-end membership management system solution. And the first phase we are invading today will be linked to the ANC list process as far as possible. From the beginning of September through to October this year, all ANC branches will have branch general meetings where ANC members in good standing will nominate ANC candidates for national and provincial legislatures. And finally, the British government has launched a public consultation over plans to ban the sale of energy drinks to young people as it grapples with some of the Western Europe's worst child obesity rates. Prime Minister Theresa May wants to prevent retailers from selling popular energy drinks to children because of their high levels of sugar and caffeine. The government estimates that more than two-thirds of 10 to 17-year-olds and a quarter of 6 to 9-year-olds consume 
consume the drinks which are linked to a host of health and behavior problems. Recapping the top stories, the German Chancellor Angela Merkel is scheduled to meet with the Ghanaian President Nana Akufo-Addo in Accra on the second leg of a three-day Africa trip. Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta will this morning hold bilateral talks with the British Prime Minister Theresa May at State House in Nairobi. And the looting of foreign-owned shops in Soweto in South Africa is an act of criminality according to officials. Well, uh, thank you so much, Anne, for that news update. And uh, uh, look, today we're going to be looking at a very interesting story that actually really makes us focus on freedom of expression on Africa, or in Africa, rather. And what's interesting is just to see the trends that are happening, and some of them are not um, really overt, but some of them are nuanced. Lately, critics say the government of Mozambique is introducing hefty license fees for local and foreign journalists. And this is an attempt to discourage reporting in the country. Local correspondents, uh, imagine, just local correspondents will be expected to pay $2,500 per trip for media accreditation, while foreign correspondents living in Mozambique will be charged $8,300 per year. Mozambique's National Human Rights Commission has warned that the imposition of licensing fees in the country's mass media must not compromise the fundamental right of the public to information. I think the imposition of the licensing fees themselves is already a compromise. But we're also seeing... Other nuances, we know that uh, in Zimbabwe, for instance, uh, during the court case whereby uh, the legitimacy of the elections and the presidency of Emerson um, Nangagwa, there was a, a case whereby uh, we saw uh, the national broadcaster, the ZBC, given sole rise to broadcast inside the court and charged any other independent media seeking to actually also broadcast the court proceedings. And we know that this stems from what we saw uh, just a few months ago where Uganda was also enforcing attacks for using uh, social media. So there's all these different things that are happening where uh, different forms of media are actually being imposed when it comes to social taxes by uh, the government. Well, joining us for this discussion, we joined on the line by Professor Franz Kruger, who is the director of the Witz Radio Academy at South Africa's University of Advertisement. We also have Zaneda uh, Machado, who is uh, uh, an Angola and Mozambique researcher at the Africa Division of Human, uh, Human Rights Watch. I want to start with you, Professor uh, Kruger. Very interesting to see all these different elements. And I think it's because when we saw the social media attacks being imposed on Uganda, I think we took that a little bit lightly. We didn't see how that could be actually uh, fall, fall into different dynamics in, in other countries. What are your thoughts of these various trends that I've highlighted right now? <clears throat> well, um, thanks very much for, for, for having this discussion. I think it is, as you say, an important issue um, to be aware of and to discuss. Um, I think there are worrying trends in, you know, in different countries, um, not just on the continent, but you know, one thinks also of Trump's America, um, sure. where you know, the media are, become, are, are being placed under various kinds of pressure. And I think you're right to highlight 
um, the, the, the fact that this is not just about putting journalists in jail or banning newspapers. There are various other steps that are taken, like specifically the Mozambique case. Um, you know, there's been a lot of emphasis on, on the implications of this new um, set of tariffs for, for foreign journalists. I mean, I'm particularly concerned about uh, what it means for uh, Mozambican journalists starting new ventures. There's a, 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 a significant increase, for instance, um, in the price that a new community radio station has to has to pay before they can get going. Mm. Um, and that really is, is outrageous because, you know, it's at local level where people really need information. And community radio stations, as we know, um, generally are not, not well resourced at all and really struggle to stay, stay alive. Um, so, you know, that is, you know, that's a matter of grave concern. I mean, it is also worrying that specifically in Mozambique, um, it comes uh, ahead of some elections. Um, and as some commentators have also pointed out, um, there is a great deal in the works in terms of new um, agreements to be signed around gas exploitation. And one just has the feeling that the Mozambican government um, has something to hide. And it's always like that, isn't it? I mean, when governments take various steps uh, to prevent uh, the free flow of information, it's usually um, a question of having something to hide, um, of, want, of not wanting to allow journalists to do what they do best which is to shine light um, in dark corners. Mm. You know, let me bring in uh, Jovio Ratu as well, who's the ombudsman uh, with uh, in the independent media. Uh, Jovio, thank you for giving us uh, your time. You know, these different trends on the African continent are very interesting, where we're starting to see hefty license fees uh, for either journalists or even that tax that we know of in Uganda for social media, as I've reiterated when I started the program. You know, Jovio, is there special circumstances where attacks should be imposed upon media and by government? Um, are there cases like that? And um, how dangerous is that? Or is that a legitimate um, action from government? No. Uh, uh, good, good day, and uh, thanks for having me. There, there, there cannot be a legitimate uh, reason why government needs to impose such attacks. You know, if government wants to generate revenue, there are a million other ways in which government can leg- legitimately uh, generate revenue to meet whatever needs that government has. Mm. But when, when government uses uh, such uh, to, to muzzle the media, to make it impossible for, for the media to operate, when government imposes, uh, in principle, impo- imposes a fee, even if it's one rent, uh, government is then interfering with the, its own citizens' ability to access information which they need uh, to, to make decisions about their own lives. You know, and in the case of, 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 of um, Mozambique, case of, of Zimbabwe, and, 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 and a few other countries, uh, you, you have a situation where actually uh, prohibitive amounts are being asked for $2,500 is quite a lot of money for anybody. Uh, in those countries, but for 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 us as the the African editors forum, the biggest problem we have is, is the very principle that government uh, thinks that they can uh, use these measures to uh, to to control to muzzle the media, uh, because you know, and uh, the, the the trend that worries us is that these things always happen at the time of elections. You know, in in, in Zimbabwe. 
uh, for the past uh, two elections, we've been fighting this issue in Mozambique. Uh, you've got local uh, and the national elections uh, coming up next year, and all of a sudden you've got this, this restriction on mm. uh, local media working for foreign uh, publications sure. and foreign journalists in that country. Um, so we are totally opposed to such a move, and we uh, have made uh, an appeal for the government of Mozambique to truly uh, uh, intervene and, 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 and make sure that uh, the, this imposition is, is dealt away with and that the media uh, in Mozambique, and, and, and this would apply also to Zimbabwe and anywhere else, it, it's free to just do, to do, do its work. Let me bring in Zaneda from Human Rights Watch. Zaneda, thank you for giving us your time. And I know that you have worked in Mozambique and countries such as Angola as a researcher for Human Rights Watch. When you look at the kind of justifications around these uh, uh, license fees, do you think there is one justification that actually makes sense? So do you think this is part of uh, limiting uh, how many journalists operate in the country? Because also, if I don't get a license, maybe because the government doesn't want me to work in the country, it means they have a certain type of control in terms of who they allow to work in the country. Thank you for having me. I don't think there is any justification that makes sense to be short uh, on the answer to your question. What I do think is that if you look at the current context of Mozambique, you might perhaps sit down and understand the decision that could have been behind um, the cabinet of information um, decision to, to, to increase the fees or to impose those fees because I was a journalist too and I worked for, at, in Mozambique for many years before mm. joining an international organization and I don't remember paying any fees at all when I needed to cover Mozambique before. I mean, what one would understand is that the country is going through a period of an economic crisis and everything is going up and somehow there is a need to increase prices. And that is also the justification that the director of the Gabinfo, which is the, the state body uh, behind this decision, um, Emilia Moyani, Emilia Moyani is the person heading that department, and she says that after doing several studies, they came to the conclusion that there was a need to create those fees. Having said all of that, um, one doesn't need to be... Uh, 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 over smart to see that coming from no fees to 2,500 US dollars, it's exorbitant, uh, it's an exaggeration to say the least, it's unnecessary and it's going to affect hugely in the ability of the press, either foreign press or local press to cover big events that are coming up in Mozambique. I'm talking about the local elections that are coming up in October. Remember, there is an important point with these elections. This is the first time in 15 years that Renamo is contesting local elections. So it's a huge event. It means foreign press, local press are less uh, able to cover those events. We have the insurgency in Cabo Delgado. Already we have heard reports of um, uh, foreign journalists who have been detained for trying to get to the region without accreditation. 
We know about big media groups that have been have been forced to leave the country after they failed to get the accreditation, just to get the accreditation for free to go to Cap Delgado and cover those events. Let's just imagine a scenario where people mm. have to pay thousands and thousands sure. of US dollars to mm. be able to cover those events. Clearly, mm. it means that people will be less um, able to know what is going on in Mozambique. Uh, um, uh, uh, that is the, for the international people. And for the locals, it's also problematic because in a country where sometimes the state is often confused with the ruling party, and the state media gives privilege to the ruling party. One would wonder how we expect the mm. local voters to make decisions when the private media is unable to cover uh, the other side of the story, the side that is mm. opposed to what the state media is telling them. Well, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to uh, wanting to explore that particular angle that was brought forward by Zaneda, the fact that even if Mozambique feels like it, it's having economic challenges, uh, usually the media is an independent uh, party to uh, its society, and usually it represents whether the people or some form of it has a, a social and um, economic uh, uh, I would say, authority in some form of ways in terms of contributing to its society. So if a country is having kind of an economic deficit, should that deficit go to the media? And why should the media be paying for economic challenges of a country? That's a a very, very weird reason for making uh, the media pay. But we'll explore that uh, strange, strange explanation after this break. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9am with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time 1000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective Well, thank you for joining us right here on uh, Channel Africa, South Africa's external service into sub-Saharan Africa. Remember, we broadcast Chinyanja, French, and other African uh, country, uh, African uh, languages. And uh, this is uh, African Dialogue, where from Monday to Thursday, we look at the big subject matters on uh, the African continent. Today, we're looking at a trend story with, with this uh, issue of uh, media fees that are proposed uh, to... Um, certain um, institutions and private media institutions by African governments. We're seeing this happening in various countries and it's varying wiring. So if you're just joining us now, we're joined by uh, Professor Franz Kruger, the director at the Witz Radio Academy at the University of Witwatersrand. We also have uh, Jovial Randau, who is the chairperson of the African Editors Forum. We also have uh, Zaneda Machado, who is Angola and Mozambique researcher at the 
Africa Division of Human Rights Watch. Jovial, it was very interesting to hear some of the reasons brought forward by Zaneda in terms of why these hefty license fees could be actually imposed in Mozambique. I don't know why uh, the media or journalists should carry the costs of uh, a country's economic crisis. That seems like a weird explanation why these uh, uh, license fees could be imposed. But, uh, Benjamin, it's, it's not only weird for us, it's totally unacceptable. You know, it's just an excuse used by a government that does not want the media covering uh, that country uh, to be free and fair. It, it is quite simple, you know, and, and the, the very coincidence that these fees are introduced uh, in the, in the run-up to uh, important elections does indicate to, uh, uh, to a little bit of political mischievousness there. You know, I think we as, as mm. Africans and as African media need to stand quite firm against, against and, and speak out against such practices. You know, because uh, today is the uh, a little fine imposed uh, so that you can get accredited to, to cover this story. You know, and, and tomorrow is all the other measures uh, that the African Aid Forum, for instance, has been fighting against. You know, you, you've got, you start with a thing like an imposition of a fine, sorry, of a fee, and then uh, you end up in a situation where government uh, wants to tell you what, what to publish. You know, if, if, you, mm-hmm. if, you, if you go up, uh, uh, up in the continent, you know, journalists are being persecuted, journalists mm. are being arrested for simply doing their work, you know. Mm, so mm. we've got to nip this in the bud, and we've got to insist that uh, the, the government of, of, of our continent, mm. who on paper are committed to a free press, and independent press, who have signed all kinds of protocols, you know, that this, the, these things must just cease uh, being entries on paper, and that they must walk the talk. Mm. Uh, Professor Kruger, your thoughts on this, um, especially that explanation around, you know, um, us journalists having to pay um, for, um, you know, for the economic deficits of our economies. That sounds very weird. Well, I mean, as, as Jovial, I think, was saying, I mean, it's, it, it's not only weird, it's completely unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, apart from anything else, I mean, even at this level, it's ruinous for, for individual journalists, but it really isn't going to make any difference to the economic crisis faced by Mozambique or any other country. Um, I mean, it just doesn't bear any relationship to the two. I mean, the connection that I think may, may need to be made is that there is concern about various economic steps being taken that maybe the government doesn't want to be reported on. Mm. Deals made internationally for the exploitation of of, uh, of natural resources like gas in, in, in Mozambique's case. Um, and maybe that is the connection that needs to be made, that the actual money being paid or, or that they want journalists to pay is going to make no difference to the economic difficulties um, mm. that they or any other country facing. No, as, as Jovial says, it's simply an attempt to block free... Um, free media from doing their work.
Professor Kruger, this is actually very interesting because there was some sort of justification by Uganda's uh, government when their president uh, was uh, insistent on um, introducing that uh, social media tax, uh, saying the fact that uh, ITC is a cost to the country and also, um, you know, there is a benefit from the consumer in terms of uh, the infrastructure of ITC in the country. So they have to pay a, a particular costs. Uh, so in that justification, some people would say, well, why not? Shouldn't the Mozambique government also uh, introduce its own legislation of fees for um, the media in, in some form? I think in both cases, I don't think the explanation really holds the water. Um, I mean, connectivity, I mean, we have that debate here in South Africa where there is great concern about the costs of data um, and the way in which that actually constrains not just um, people's ability to express themselves and communicate, but economic growth itself. So it's very, very short-sighted to try and levy tax, you know, money on, on, on social media connections mm. in that way for purely economic reasons. Mm. Um, but of course, you know, in, in the context of this particular discussion, it's also an infringement on the right to communicate, um, and and needs, you know, and it, it really needs to be objected to um, very strongly on that basis. So, Nader, what does this trend actually say for us as media practitioners in terms of how uh, the governments see us in terms of the? translation of information to, to, to citizens. Do you think we, we, we're becoming more of a threat to African governments? I think as the media environment grows in the continent and in particularly in countries like Mozambique and Angola that have historically been dependent of one political part, they've been very uh, close societies. Um, as media grows and matures and becomes more independent and, uh, and there is a variety of types of press, uh, there are more investigative journalists, people who just don't go to press conference and take the word of the government for it. They investigate, they question, they bring in new facts. Uh, the media is becoming some sort of the enemy of the state, uh, which shouldn't be. Um, uh, one would imagine that uh, a government that is compromised with, committed with uh, freedom of press will look at press as a friend and sometimes as a vehicle to spread their information. The problem is we are dealing with very hypocrite governments. They go to the African Union meetings, they go to the UN meetings, they sign up for um, laws and, and principles and agreements that at the end of the day they don't agree with and the way they operate internally in their countries is totally against those agreements that they sign. So when you have press that is becoming more specialized, more professional, and are able to bring into the government those agreements into their face, um, show them that they are constantly breaking mm. the laws, they are corrupt governments, they are doing, uh, or they are collecting mm. investments for their own pockets rather than benefiting most of the population. The, the, the media becomes an annoying subject in the mm. country. So what you see in the case of Mozambique uh, specifically, what we have seen in the past two, three years is that more and more journalists have been to court, for example, on labeling uh, charges. 
Um, just yesterday, we had one journalist, the editor of uh, one of the biggest private newspapers, being uh, acquitted in court over a charge, a bogus charge of 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 of, of um, uh, defamation. So you have seen more and more of those things. I mean, we we have seen reports in Mozambique that we had never seen before. Uh, foreign reporters being detained for three, four days in a police station somewhere in a district in a province because they were trying to cover a story. Um, we had a, a shameful episode just two months ago, if I, my, 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 my mind is still is not playing me tricks, with the BBC team coming down to Mozambique to try to cover the insurgents in Cap Delgado and being told that they could not get an accreditation. And the BBC has never been stopped from covering mm. anything in Mozambique. Mm. So there is something the government is trying to hide. It's true. Um, and uh, they think by stopping the press from covering those stories, they'll be able to continue to hide those these things. Um, I think what we as uh, researchers, uh, activists, mm. and journalists need to continue to do is to push back. Because I don't think any um, uh, dictator is stronger than a stronger press. Well, uh, that takes us uh, to uh, 27 minutes to uh, midday Central African time. Uh, today, we're looking at the trends of uh, this very interesting dynamic whereby we're seeing media fees proposed by African governments to the media to operate within communities. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocates. I don't want the listener to say because I'm a media practitioner myself that I'm in defense of the media. Someone could argue, maybe we'll deal with this after the break, that why private institutions should actually pay for operating within a country is the fact that they also benefit from that society in terms of profits. So why not actually bring give back to that uh, country in which they operate in due to the fact that they benefit from the uh, society in which they operate within? But we'll deal with that question after this break. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. You're listening to Channel Africa. It's uh, almost 25 minutes to midday Central African time. You're listening to African Dialogue. We'll come to you every Monday to Thursday, really trying to contextualize the big issues on the African continent. And today we've been discussing this trend story where we're seeing something very specific happening in the media space and 
some African countries where governments are imposing fees, whether it's license fees, whether it's tax fees. Um, and uh, what does this actually mean for the media operating in some of these countries? But let me start this part of the conversation with you, Professor Kruger, because that could be an issue. The fact that some African countries or governments can argue that, hey, look, you're operating in our country and uh, you benefiting from our communities, so why not pay a fine uh, because um, you're operating within the structures of our economy? Hello, is that addressed to me? Yes, Professor Kruger, it's for you. Yes, hello, sorry, I was just... Um um, distracted for a moment. Um, uh, I mean, you're arguing that that because there is a contribution that uh, media organisations get benefit from being in a country that should pay. Sure. Um, I mean, I think I don't think that argument really holds a great deal of water. I think the contribution that media organisations make to society comes in a different form. Um, it comes by facilitating, um, you know, the flow of information, and that's a critical function. Um, you know, for any society and, in fact, for the world at large. Mm. So there is already a huge contribution of them. Secondly, um, I think that media organizations, when they do operate, do contribute to the economy, also to the economy quite, quite di- um, directly, um, you know, by buying local goods and services of various kinds, and there is some kind of contribution there anyway. Um, no, I think we have to accept that, you know, these kinds of measures, particularly these ruinous, uh, amounts that are being charged of a media that are themselves struggling economically. And we mm. can't forget that the media organizations, um, you know, various kinds of media organizations, particularly in print, are really having a very, very tough time at the moment. It's not mm. as if there are huge profits being made by these media organizations. Mm. No, I think these kinds of fees that are charged uh, are simply, as we've said before, um, an attempt to, you know, to restrict media coverage, to make it more difficult for journalists to operate. Mm. Um, and it, in fact, indirectly is a recognition of what they really are about, those media organizations, is, is, is ensuring the free flow of information, the information that citizens need uh, to operate. No, well, I think it's, it's, a, it's a pretext. It's not a real mm. argument, that. Well, thank you, Professor Franz Krug. I'm told that I have to let you go. So thank you for giving us your time in your busy morning. So uh, thank you for your contribution. Thanks very much. It's been great. Fantastic. Let's come to you, Jovial Randau. I want to get your final sentiments. I'm sure in terms of uh, from a corporation and business perspective, that's what I'm asking Professor Kruger. He disagrees. Um, Corporations do benefit from African communities in terms of news gathering. Um, Isn't this an argument saying if you're benefiting from our society, you need to contribute to it through taxes? Yeah, I I, I think that is a a totally different discussion to be heard. You know, a a discussion that is separate and very far from governments using uh, accreditation to, to effectively control the media to effectively mm-hmm. control free flow of information. You know, uh, I think uh, if, you, if you scan the landscape, the media landscape in the continent, you'll find that a lot of uh, media companies uh, are either in, in partnership with, with local uh, media, but there are all kinds of development programs, uh, some aimed at, uh, at women only, some aimed at uh, entry-level journalists, uh, 
you know. So a, sure. a, a lot is happening there, you know. But I think it's important to, to, to separate the, the two issues uh, because they are totally uh, two different issues. You know, one, one is really about uh, media development, empowerment and skills uh, uh, development, etc. Sure. Sure. And, and the bigger issue that we're discussing here is, is, is about uh, uh, free flow of, of information. It, it's about ordinary people in, in, in our countries uh, being denied access to information by a government. That's what we need to deal with. Mm. Well, your final sentiment, sentiments, uh, Zaneda? Well, one thing that needs to be uh, clarified here is one is not Gabifu's uh, job to, 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 to profit from the media. That's not their competence. Their job and their competence is to regulate the media environment in Mozambique. Mm. And uh, the, the biggest uh, mistake they made specifically on this issue is that for them to approve such fees, they need the cabinet to, 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 to approve them for, for, for the Gabinfo. And for Gabinfo to convince the cabinet to do so, it needs to consult with other partners. And partners means also the media in the country. Gabinfo did not do that. That's an important point that should be taken in consideration. They went to mm-hmm. the cabinet and told the cabinet that they had done so, and mm-hmm. the cabinet approved the fee. Having said that, I'm actually satisfied by the fact that the director of Gabif has come up openly to say that after the outrage, the uproar over this decision, she will consider reducing the amounts. Now, what we have to watch next is how much she will reduce them and whether those new fees will still be prohibitive and will make almost impossible for journalists to do their job in Mozambique. That's one point. The other point I wanted to, to, to raise is, is that it's not true that the media does not pay taxes and fees. Mm. They pay their normal taxes. And that's the Minister's of Finance job to ensure that anyone who is profiting in a country pays taxes. You understand? So what should be happening is the Minister of Finance should go individual to those who are profiting and make sure they tax those people who are profiting. What should not happen and what is, for our opinion, is considered a big attack on freedom of press, access to information, is to impose prohibitive fees, fees that are not uh, applied in anywhere else in this world, fees that go from zero to, to over 2,000, and in a country where journalists can barely sometimes pay their own transport to go from one place to another to cover the story. Mm. Well, thank you uh, for giving us your time, Zaneda. That's Zaneda Machado, who is the Angola and Mozambique researcher in the Africa Division of uh, Human Rights Watch. Thank you as well to Jovio Rantau, who is the chairperson of the African Editors Forum. And earlier on, we were also joined by Professor Franz Kruger, director at the Wits Radio Academy at the University of Witwatersrand. We'll be looking at the situation, especially looking at the developments in Mozambique as highlighted by Zaneda and I'm sure there's still a lot to come out of that particular story but thank you for giving us your time thank you very much
Fantastic. What are your thoughts on this taxes for media? Do you think it's fair? Already, I think from a business perspective, when a media house actually has a business, it's already from a business perspective taxed. Why do we have to have additional taxes on the media? Do you think it's a healthy environment? Hey, give us your thoughts on our various platforms. Remember, we are on email info at channelafrica.org or you can give us your thoughts on our Facebook page. It's Channel Africa. That's the name of the page. And we want to hear your thoughts on that particular platform. We've got a WhatsApp number on plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven. That's plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven, where you can give us your thoughts on our WhatsApp number. Well, let's take a brief break and then we'll come back with our business news and sports. Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, listen to Humanity, Women in Unity, an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity, with Dr. Amalea Gones Malka, every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Well, uh, let's uh, get our business news from Wisani Matebula. He's already ready to give us that update.